I told you the Godzilla Media format was going to be all out of whack this week. This is Gaz on the go. On a Tuesday night, we're taping, so all the sports talk you need from the week in less than 40 minutes. Before we get to the sports talk early in the week as we head into this Memorial Day weekend, got to tell about our friends over at Mohawk Honda, Kelly Blue Book Offer. You might have that summer road trip on the way, the summer vacation you're going to enjoy. You start looking around thinking, did I pay too much for gas? Was this the right vehicle? Did people actually enjoy being in my ride as we took that summer road trip? If you're starting to find out some of those answers were no, it's time to change your vehicle and the place to do it's Mohawk on. I'm not going to have any of those complaints. I'm heading back to Central New York this weekend for a wedding. We're driving back in a 2022 Pilot EXL. We got room for the baby. We got room for the in-laws and more. A safe, easy ride and the best ride I've ever had in my life. You can have that same bragging right for you and your family if you upgrade your vehicle today. You can take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book offer. You've heard it throughout the spring. You drive over to Glenville, New York, and Mohawk Honda. You can drive off the lot with money in your pocket and a new vehicle. Shout out to Greg Johnson. I'm telling you, he's sitting on a sports cycle, man, with the Masters. And meeting Wayne Gretzky. I can't wait to find out more things on the way for him and Lindsey Herndon and Cam McKenna. Everybody over there. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Lillian David Fine Jewelers, located at the shops of Wilton, Route 50. That time's here, right? Mid to late May, graduation season. You're hearing that macho man, Randy Savage, pop and circumstance hit. We got to make sure you're looking good for the graduations. And with it being prom season, we used to call it ball back at Salve High School. A little mix of prom and ball, graduations, weddings. Every, you want to look good. The fiance, the girlfriend, whoever it might be in your life, man, the wife too. Lily and David Fine Jewelers can help you find exactly what she is looking for. Now, maybe it's that perfect piece of jewelry to go for her fashion this summer for those big events. Or maybe it's time for you to make the upgrade. Maybe you've got to find that new wedding band. Maybe the birthday's on the way and she's had a piece of her eye on a great earring or a necklace or more. The staff there, Alyssa, Dave, and the crew, a family-owned and operated business that's been rolling with us for years. Where I bought my engagement ring, my wedding band. Shout out one more time to Jeremiah and his now wife, Catherine. They went to Lillian David Fine Jewelers. They found out what people across the capital region, upstate New York, know that it's the spot you want to go to when you're making that big purchase and those continued purchases for the future from that wife to fiance to girlfriend and more. It's Lillian David Fine Jewelers located at the shops of Wilton Route 50. When you stop in, tell me you heard about my story. Gaza story from right here on Gaza the Media's Gaza on the Go. All right, let's talk some sports. Already out of the gates, you're probably wondering, all right, guys, where is the NBA playoff photo? Where's the NHL playoff photo? I want to find out about LeVan Goss tomorrow. With all the schedule out of funk and out of whack, we're going to do a lot more playoff talk tomorrow. So don't stop the podcast. If you're going to jump off the ship right now, at least give me a review. Give me a star on Spotify or Apple. LeVan Goss, Goss the Media, a lot more playoff talk there. The graphic, the reason why you're watching on YouTube here, if you are, or you see the New York Yankee graphic, is the beef now between Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. If you missed it earlier, a few days ago, Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson got into it on the field because, according to reports, and Donaldson confirmed it, that he called him Jackie. In reference to Tim Anderson calling himself the modern-day Jackie Robinson from an article a few years ago. I love this whole thing. I love it. Because it's just classic trash talk. That's all it is. Look, Josh Donaldson tried getting into the mind of Tim Anderson. Put yourself in that scenario. Whatever sport it might be, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Okay, you're trying to get an advantage over your teammate. When you step in between the ropes, the field, the ice, whatever term you want to use, if you want to be somebody different than when you are away from the field, the ice, the turf, great. 
Like everyone's going to find their way to get motivated out there. And if you want to find a way to get in your opponent's head, that's the way to do it. You don't have to be friends with everybody who's out there. You want to be friends with your teammates. You have to be friends with them off the field. But if you want to go at somebody and you got to turn it up and be more competitive and find that way to do it, then do it. And by the way, that was on Tim Anderson. Josh Donaldson didn't say anything racial or racist. Tim Anderson called himself the modern day Jackie Robinson. Why? In reference to him trying to change the game from this USA Today article to bring personality into baseball, which is not even comparable to what Jackie Robinson did in breaking the United States of America's color barrier in baseball. That's not even comparable. And the fact that the USA Today ran with that article, they knew exactly what they were doing. Put that baby in the headlines and let's get those clicks. Somewhere Dan Walk and one of their colleagues is like, yes, you figured it out. Go for that clickbait. So if Tim Anderson wants to call himself Jackie Robinson, he has opened up the criticism to other players across the league to get at him, to get under his skin. And Josh Donaldson used it that way. Josh Donaldson and him are buddies. Josh Donaldson was talking smack. He was talking shit. He wanted to get in his head. And Tim Anderson finally said, enough's enough. I'm going to call him out for what he's doing. Let's use another sport, right? Let's say Luka Donich decided, you know what? I'm calling myself the modern day Larry Bird. And all of a sudden, Steph Curry started screaming at after he missed shots. I shot Larry. Way to go, Larry. Like, that's funny to me. <laughs> that's great. If, if Tyson Fury was fighting Deontay Wilder for the fourth time and Deontay Wilder was calling himself the modern day Joe Frazier and Tyson Fury starts punching him and calling him Joe. Hey, Joe, how'd that punch taste? That's great, man. That's sports. That's entertaining. You walked your... And by the way, you should be made fun of. You should be. Calling yourself the modern day Jackie Robinson. Come on. So I'm team Donaldson on this. I like the trash talk. Anderson overreacted. I truly don't feel like there was a racial undertone to this. It was more of, okay... You think you're a big shot? You think you're a hot shot? You want a showboat? You want to do this? You want, okay, I'll call you out on it. Nice hit, Jackie. Way to go, Jackie. By the way, Tim Anderson's teammate also did this this week. Tim Anderson's teammate, Joe Kelly, told a story during the week about how he was calling out Aaron Hicks on the base pass. Probably if you just heard me do that impression of what we were doing with Trash Talk, it sounds very similar to how Joe Kelly gave an interview response to when he picked off Aaron Hicks at second base. Way to go, Hicksie. Nice job, Aaron. Just being sarcastic to his face and rubbing it in. It's great for baseball. I love this. I love a true rivalry of two guys who actually hate each other and throwing it at Donaldson. And Tim Anderson, by the way, I like Tim Anderson. I don't like what he's doing here. But go, my guy, Jason Benetti, who calls the White Sox games. He said a great quote a few years ago about how much he cherishes and cares about what Tim Anderson does for baseball. How he is so different. His attitude and everything else that comes with him. So I like Tim Anderson, too. I like the whole thing here. Baseball needs rivalries. Baseball needs trash talking. And now when it gets out in the public, they're like, okay, maybe it's out there. This is the Brian McCann stuff of years ago where Brian McCann tried being the gatekeeper of baseball. This is straight up trash talk. God's not looking at it. By the way, we might see the White Sox and the Yankees play each other in this year's upcoming playoffs. Let's get the Yankee graphic up here a little bit. Some of you are going to be accused of like, are we still talking Yankees? Hang on. It's a little mix between the Yankees and the Orioles. I don't want to put the Oriole graphic up because some people on the YouTube side are like, oh, we're going to get five minutes on the Orioles. No, no, no. It's a combination story here. of Mike Musino of the Yankees and the Orioles. 
Argyle Buster only, for a little context here, for those who don't know, for four years every week for 40 weeks out of the year, my guy Levanc and I talked to Buster only. It was really cool. We actually built a true relationship with him. We could text him and actually he didn't know who we were. We actually have done events with him where he's been in person. So there's a true, really cool, like, hey, we really do know Buster only, which is awesome. Now, now that that stupid humble brag's out of the way, it's more about his take on Twitter this week about Mike Mussina. Mike Mussina, number 35, is being weared by the, weared? How about worn? Okay. Worn by the Baltimore Oriole can't miss prospect. Who's up in the big leagues now? The number one prospect in baseball. Buster only started going wild on Twitter that it should not be 35. Should 35 should be retired for Mike Musina. And he went even doubled down on it two days later and said, this great stat. In the history of Major League Baseball, for a player who played more than 10 seasons with one team and made the Hall of Fame, only one player did not have their number retired for that team. Mike Musina. Now, Mike Musino went for the Baltimore Orioles to the New York Yankees, and Musino decided not to pick a team to go into Cooperstown with to not offend either fan base. Well, not picking a team still offended the Orioles. The Oriole fan base, the Oriole executives, it, the list of people in Baltimore. And as a Baltimore Oriole fan, there's not a lot of few times that I'm actually going to give a take that's relevant nationally, maybe even relevantly locally. I don't care. I don't. Like, Mike Mussina did not go in the Hall of Fame as a Baltimore Oriole, okay? So, like, this forcing of you better honor me or else is a weird thing to defend. Hey, 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 I'm important. You better tell me how important I am by making sure no one ever wears my number again. So, who's the champion for that, Mussina? Hey, someone told me that if I went in the Hall of Fame as an Oriole, I'd get a statue outside. If you missed my take about having statues of living people, yeah, it's not... Not one of my specialties. I'd like to eliminate all that. So this is why, guys, it's like a bizarre take that you don't want statues of living people. Okay, uh, what if I told you had a Heisman Trophy winner who was the number one top first round draft pick, Hall of Famer, marketable nationally? Okay, that might be somebody who wants a statue. Okay, that's OJ. Do we take it down? There's too much of an expectation for a living person to live up to the statue. There's a quick statue take. But Mucina, I don't care. Like, if the Orioles didn't want to retire, it's number fine. Through the whole thing of baseball from Bonds and Clemens and more, there's other guys who were better in that era than Mike Mussina. Even when I think about the Orioles growing up, Mussina's not one of the first names that pops in my mind. It's Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken's still a first mind, and he's been honored and done everything for Baltimore. Mussina's a great player, a Hall of Fame player. But we got to back off on this, Buster. Like, you have set Baltimore aflame, and this is not going to be the first time this happens. We're going to see other players decide not to go in an organization for the team you might be associated with knowing them for. How about Vlad Guerrero Sr. decided to go to the Hall of Fame as an angel and not an expo? I'm sure there's far more examples of, ooh, I didn't realize that. Max Scherzer years from now, what's he going in as a national? A tiger? A diamondback? A lot of questions to be had. By the way, Randy Johnson, right? He's in there as a diamondback and not a mariner. Buster, relax, man. I love you, brother. But that Mucina thing was way overblown. I'm impressed by the Albany Empire fan base. It was absolute chaos this past weekend. I can truly, honestly tell you, in 32 years on Earth, in being a media professional for my entire adult life post-college, I can confidently tell you this. 
I have never been a part of something that was that Saturday. Don't know the story. The Albany Empire were scheduled to play an indoor football game at 7 o'clock on Saturday. Within hours before the game, they had to cancel the game, postpone the game, because half of Jacksonville's team was not there. I was there watching it all happen. My poor buddy, LeVac, who's now got a third mention. Jeez, I'm going to hang out with him, guys. Relax on the LeVac mentions. But from him to Caroline, to Mike Corda, to Matt Woods, to everybody having to go through this together and find Jamie Hensel, like to find out what you were going to do next. I've never seen anything like it before. Now, we could do another two minutes of what it means for the league and everything else, but I think it's about giving credit where credit's due to the fans. Because the moment I left NVP Arena, I thought, this is going to get blasted on social media. Uh, the people who want to pile on dirt for the Albany Empire got a big old shovel and they're ready to go here on a Saturday. I'm truly stunned of how positive it was compared to negative for the reaction of that. Think about this. The Albany Empire, who game one of the season, you could argue, was one of the worst entertainment-wise games in the history of the franchise, then delay their second home game. So if you didn't like the first product you saw, you were coming back post-COVID, you could have been like, I'm done, out, peace. I'll watch it on YouTube. I'm not coming back. Instead, the Albany Empire fans rallied on social media to show pictures of what Florida looked like to confirm the cancellation. That fans said, hey, we just want to be a part of the party. We can't wait to see you on Sunday. We want to see that first victory. We want to see Sam Castronova lead the team for the first time. I was blown away by the positivity. Now, I get some people just harp on the negatives. There were some didn't like it. Others were asking questions about season tickets, which is fine. It's totally your prerogative. You're a season ticket holder. You can ask, but let's not underestimate what really happened. A game was scheduled for Saturday. The game got moved to Sunday. Fans were still in attendance. Fans got the block party, autographs, anything you wanted. The Albany Empire made sure they made it happen. And they got a victory, a huge victory. Three plus points. Now they head down to Columbus, Georgia to take on the Lions. What's that mean for the rest of the season? We'll probably have a better answer about that when the first home game in June hits on June 4th. By the way, Albany Empire Coaches Show, that's now up. Credit to that organization. I know I'm the broadcaster. I know someone's going to scream this being biased. Think about it for a second. How many times have you ever heard in your life a football game get canceled and said, we're going to just do the thing tomorrow? COVID has adjusted schedules, but not 24 hours. We've seen football games played on Tuesdays. We've seen wide receivers play quarterback like the Denver Broncos, but never something like this. And the Albany Empire made it work. I'm excited for the rest of the season. I'm excited to see this fan base build and block out the negativity and say, we're the underdogs and we'll ride with this for the rest of the summer. I feel like I shouldn't care as much as I do about this NFL Pro Bowl story that the NFL, according to reports from ESPN and others, is considering a change to the Pro Bowl, whether it be eliminating the game, highlighting more of the athletes there, maybe putting the skills competition in prime time, a different way to change the Pro Bowl product. This is, as some would say, a tired segment of, oh, God, okay, the Pro Bowl's not good. It hasn't been good for six, seven years. We get it. But now I think it's more of an NFL Roger Goodell issue. An issue may not be the right word to use here. Maybe it's a mentality, attitude, pressure, thirst. Those are all better words to describe my take on the Pro Bowl because 
Think about what the NFL is. A ratings monster? A revenue monster? Turned into 24-7, 365 talk? Whether it be not just on the NFL Network, but other stations as well, both television, radio, podcasts. And you can really sit down and say, okay, what does the NFL do better than anybody else? The NFL's products on Sunday, better than anybody else. It's a great quote from the movie Concussion. They own a day of the week that used to be for God. So the NFL owns that. Uh, the draft, when you're finding out about the young talent coming into the league, they do better than anybody else. The schedule release, although you've heard my critiques here on Gaz on the Go, it went for like a week and a half. No other league can talk about that. The Hall of Fame and the awards ceremony, they do that the day before the Super Bowl, that Friday before, depending on what city they're in. That's really cool. You get what I'm laboring here, right? The NFL can go across the board and compare themselves against other professional sports leagues in the North America and say, we do everything better than everybody else. Except the All-Star game. So maybe the NFL just has to take an L on this one. The mindset is that they have to be the best at everything they do or else it's a disappointment. That's a hard way to live life. Now, some people just heard that and thought, No, no, no. That is the exact mentality you should have. Gaza, you're the CEO, you're the president, the founder, whatever term you want to toss on yourself this day of Gaza Media. That is the mindset you should have for your company. That every single day, Gaza Media should be the best at every single thing that they do. And if you're not the best, it's a disappointment. Well, that's a lot of intensity to have. I don't know if it's a reality. I don't know if it's rational thinking, but it's exciting. That if you can have someone on your team that has that type of mindset, and hell, of course I want to be the best at what I do. And you, whether it be sales, marketing, whatever job, teaching, who wants to be the best at what they do? Coaching? But isn't there a line of a limitation? Isn't there a line of actual rational thought that says, I'm really good at 90% of the stuff I do. Maybe I can't be 100% from the field. Hey, we're making a ton of money. Everybody's happy and we're the best. Do we want to be better than the best? Goes back to that old Kobe Bryant and Kanye West commercial. You haven't seen it. Go back and find it. What's better than the best Kobe Bryant? Better than best? Something like that. Just take the L. You've got it good at everything else. What? How? What would make the Pro Bowl better? Because a lot of it's not even the NFL Pro Bowl setting. It's just the players' attitudes on the field. Nobody wants to lay each other out. Nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to get good paid, man. That's it. Go get yourself that money. So what big change would I make to the NFL Pro Bowl? Probably nothing. Just accept what it is. It's a bad game. You're still going to put up a decent rating. ESPN's still going to air it. You have nothing else to air in that week because it's a spot in between. You're going to toss on a random college basketball game? I love college basketball, and it's going to not outrate the Pro Bowl. Are you going to put on a 30 for 30? Again, love 30 for 30. It's not going to outrate the Pro Bowl. Just accept it. This is it. This is as good as it's going to get. The NFL cannot be perfect at every single thing they pump out 24-7, 365. They are going to make mistakes. Some of it is going to suck. There are awful games in the NBA throughout the year. Major League Baseball, they have this stupid base runner stuff. They're yanking people with no hitters and everything. People miss. You can't shoot 100% from the field. Business owners would say, we got to be better than what we are. It seems as if, like, you maybe things are just good. What other example? When I used to produce out the score 1260, this is 2014, 2015, but 2014 was focused on here. 
I was producing for Mike Lindsay's afternoon show. And for Syracuse basketball fans in particular, you'll remember that that season they went 25 and 0. And we would still take calls in the postgame show, and we'd still take calls during the week of what is Syracuse going to get better at? They got a better guard player, rebounding, or three point shooting. Some people would just call and be like, they're 25 and 0. Maybe they're good. Maybe you don't have to complain every single day about what they're doing. They're just good. You can just give them credit, the NFL. They're going to miss on stuff. And this is the one they're going to miss on. And it's not the end of the world. How did I not lead off this podcast with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban? Mr. College Football, Mr. Heisman Trophy voter, College Football Hall of Fame. Okay, Mr. College Football, you have the biggest story you're going to get until August. And you don't lead the podcast off talking about Okay. All right, so you're here now for the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban take. Saban complaining, doing a charity event, and just randomly rambling on and accusing for, what is this now, the third time of Texas A&M buying their players? Jimbo Fisher hearing the complaint and just going off and saying how narcissistic Saban is, referencing God and the czar and everything else. Oh, this is so good. I cannot wait for Texas A&M versus Oklahoma. So let's take a step back if you don't even have a rooting interest in what's happening here for Bama or Texas a Let's just get to the truth of it, right? Do we think that Alabama hasn't found a way to get players before? Remember how shitty Alabama was before Nick Saban got there? They were terrible when I was growing up. So they went from terrible to great. Is Nick Saban that just an unbelievable of a coach that he just changed the entire program that fast? You want to be that big of a Nick Saban fan? I think truly he is in the conversation. For any coach at any level in the history of North America is one of the top five greatest coaches of all time. So I will put him in that category of somewhere with Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, John Wooden, Coach K, and Nick Saban. In that, no particular order, but you get where I'm going here with that. Like They're all in that mix of some of the great coaches ever. Belichick doesn't have a winning record without Brady. Just like tossing that in there. Go Bucks. So, yeah, Alabama's been up to no good, as Jimbo Fisher admitted. But so have everybody else in college football. That's what I love about the NIL stuff, is that like, now it's out in the open. Oh, you're going to pay Addison, the wide receiver from Pittsburgh, like $3 million to come to USC, and he's going to have endorsements and talent fees and everything else? Okay. I can't believe it. Can you believe this Addison kid from from Pitt took $3 million to leave to go to USC. Yeah, I, I can. He doesn't know if he's going to get injured. He doesn't know if he'll ever make that type of money. He can get it right now and help out his family and have do whatever. Go get you some. Go get your money. Your coaches are making 10 to $15 million. I don't have to do this rant and rave about what college football has been built on the back of for the last decade upon decade. So finally, I felt like the rock there. Finally. College players can get money from their likeness and image. And now we're going to complain about it. Jimbo Fisher out-recruited Nick Saban. Nick Saban doesn't like that. Nick Saban's got to find these motivating factors, like his buddy Bill Belichick, who's one of the greats, if not the greatest in NFL history, like Michael Jordan and others. Okay. Oh, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, who beat us last season, now can out-recruit us, and it's being called the greatest recruiting class of all time. Now I'm motivated. Now I'm pissed off. Now i got a reason to stick around Tuscaloosa. And to Jimbo Fisher, let's be real about it. They have not reached the expectations of what Texas A&M football thinks they're supposed to be. And Texas A&M, you guys are a little crazy. 
And I usually say that as a compliment. No, I think you need to sit down and think about the expectations for the Yankees because they used to be a really fun program with Johnny Manziel and the NFL players that were coming out of it. Remember what happened when Jimbo Fisher was hired at the press conference? This is a real thing. You can find the clip of this. I might try to pull up, see if I have the rights of this photo. There's probably no chance I have the rights of this, but the athletic director at that time gave him a plaque that said Texas A&M College Football National Champions and left the year blank. You want to talk about pressure. He flat out said, we're going to win a national championship. You just tell us what year. <laughs> College football has a new way to recruit. You've heard my take on the NIL over and over again. If college players can go get paid and they find themselves that have a market that people want to pay them, God bless them. Welcome to America. Good for you. If a business overpays for what that product was from that athlete, that's bad business. Maybe you shouldn't have bet on a 19-year-old to live up to the expectations that social media told you. But Texas A&M went out, did it, said, here's how we did it. Own it. I hope, I hope that's what happens between now and the fall. The Jimbo Fisher says, yep. Our alumni base has all these talent fees for our recruiting class. So what? Get a better recruiting base. Get on your alumni's asses and tell them to come out, beat us. We did it fair and legally now. We followed the rules now. And we outclassed and outsmarted you. We'll find out on the football field this fall if we're better than you too. We got to figure out the quarterback situation if somebody can cover. But besides that, we'll do it again. I'm loving this for college football. These schools that have the NIL, let's go find out. Okay. A million-dollar player, $3 million player, what schools can hang with it? What schools can't? What schools overpaid and underpaid? What athletes got lazy because they were millionaires all of a sudden don't give two craps about doing off-season workouts because they already got money in the bank? Everything's things like all of a sudden you get money in the bank to a 19-year-old. It's going to be a great investment. It's not. Hell, if someone gave me a million dollars when I was 19, I'll tell you what, waking up for 5 a.m. workouts might be a little bit Harder for me to do. And that's just being honest and immature. Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban. I'll do the one other thing that everybody else wanted to say. Put college game day there now. Don't even hesitate. SEC football. The NIL. It's made the sport even more exciting for the fall. And I can't wait to watch those two battle. I want to tell you, I thought Texas A&M could beat him because their talent's so good. You know Nick Saban's going to want to kill him and run up the score with Bryce Young. But Texas A&M beat him last season. Oh, man, college football. Summer's here, and that means got some kickoffs just around the corner a few months from now. This week, it's all about AEW's double or nothing pay-per-view. Oh, 2019. I cannot believe it was three years ago. When the first ever double or nothing pay-per-view hit with John Marks Lee. That was a horrible Justin Roberts. But I was in Utica for that one. Shout out to my buddy Greg. Hopefully he's listening to this one. He's a big AEW fan. We were there. I cannot believe that was three years ago. Now, COVID-19 changed everything in 2020. You were right in the middle of it. It wasn't the pay-per-view you'd hoped. 2021, you still had to do some themed kind of changes, I guess is the way I'll present that. That. Maybe still not the exact way you want to double or nothing, but we are back to what it was supposed to be like for AEW, setting the stage for the future, showing off new stars, putting on the best show possible. Hookhausen, man. You know I'm a big Hook fan. I like Danhausen. Those guys are going to be in this one. They got likely the opening match they're going to get in this. You got Tony Storm, former WWE personality, Britt Baker, Ruby Soho, Chris Statlander. I love Chris Statlander. Man, she dropped that alien gimmick. Now she's doing the Beyond Woman gimmick. She's great. 
She might be like the Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair. She's really good. Then you got the, you know, some other former AEW slash WWE guys, if that makes sense. Kyle O'Reilly, Samoa Joe, Adam Cole. I say that because it always felt like they had the indie feel to them when they were the WWE. But let's give it head to like the two big time matches. The Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks. This is if you got a video game and said, okay, let's have the two best tag teams of all time. This is like NBA 2K where it's LeBron versus Jordan on a one-on-one black hardwood top in the Rucker Park setting. This is everything you would dream of as a fan and you're getting it in person. Now, I get it. Look, the Hardys are old. And the Hardys and the Young Bucks have done this before. This is not the first time these two have wrestled. If you remember that awesome WrestleMania pop at MetLife Stadium, the Hardy Boys had wrestled the Young Bucks before that. But there are going to be more eyes on the Hardys versus the Young Bucks than ever before. And hopefully that's understood by both of those tag teams. And you know what? Those guys are arguably the greatest tag teams of all time. FTR. They're in that conversation now. This year is the greatest tag team of all time. The Revival, FTR, all the other terms they've gone by, they're great. But let's sit on this main event. Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk. What the hell is going to happen here? Where is this going to go? AEW does not have Kenny Omega on the card. They don't have Cody Rhodes on the card anymore. They don't have those names that have been champions before. I know Cody wasn't the AEW world champion, but the names you thought would always be in contention for the championship are not sitting there anymore. They're new names, a new era, everything else. The champions Adam Page after that long, long storyline and the biggest name they brought in, CM Punk. So if CM Punk doesn't win the championship, then when does he? Does he ever? If CM Punk never wins the AEW World Championship, is that considered a disappointment to the casual wrestling fan? If you've had this hype for this guy, what, six, seven, eight years, didn't show up, and all of a sudden he has one of the greatest returns in wrestling history but never wins the title? Why did he come? Just to put guys over? Is that what Punk wanted to do for his legacy? Maybe it is. Maybe Adam Page needs CM Punk. Maybe this match needs to be a classic 30, 40 minutes, Punk and Page are laying down, bloodied, and everything else. And they say, okay, this dude can hang. Now, listen to what I just said there, right? Bloodied, battered, bruised, and the crowd appreciates what they just saw. That's exactly what happened the last time Punk was in a big-time match against MJF. Punk wants to do this. But I love the idea of either one happening. If it's a battle to the blood is smeared all over the place, cool. And if CM Punk wins... Oh, man. You can do so many different things with this. Because, okay, let's say CM Punk is the face, the good guy, the happy guy. Fans will love it. They get CM Punk. They get these new opponents. He can be the best on the mic. Hell, MJF might get back in the mix. You can do a lot with Punk being the good guy. Or, kind of knowing AEW fans, if they don't start to like the results, you can flip him heel. And CM Punk can throw it in everybody's face. You guys betrayed me. I never needed the fans. He can play such a great punk heel, pun intended, and get someone else over as the baby face. We're using a lot of wrestling terms here, right? Like you can get somebody who's a good guy to take down Punk and get the crowd behind you, even though it's an older crowd. I want Punk to win. I've just talked myself into this. Hangman Page, we've talked about it before. 
You're not on the level of some of these guys. You're doing your best. Good job. Good effort. Maybe you can prove me wrong. Maybe you can outshine Britt Baker, the Young Bucks, the Hardys, CM Punk. Hell, I like Jungle Boy. My son loves Jungle Boy. The Jericho Appreciation Society. cannot believe that's a thing. AEW, double or nothing. In the past, this has been their best pay-per-view. Let's see. If the future is still continuing to build superstars after this pay-per-view and building towards the future and having great storylines for the rest of the year, this is where you do it. Give me CM Punk in the main event. And give me a championship win. Before we get into our weekend wagers, let's talk about our friend Jared Lowe's here at Northeastern Insurance. It would make maybe my 2022. If you're listening to this in your car right now, if you're driving around the Capital Region, maybe you're getting ready for the road trip. In the next 10 to 15 seconds, pause the podcast or if somebody's sitting next to you in the car right now, Tell them to write this down, okay? 518-956-3753. 518-956-3753. Shoot that guy a text right now. Save it as Jared on your phone. Hey, I'm looking to save money. Heard this number on Gaz's podcast. How can you save me cash? Or email him, J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Northeastern Insurance is helping people save cash. Gas prices going up, grocery bills going up, going out to dinner. Everything is getting more and more expensive. At the end of the year, maybe you didn't plan for that income increase, or maybe you don't have the income increase. Jared Lozier can have it happen for you when you go through your bills and find out if you're overpaying for insurance policies. Some things are important to you, like your car, your small business, your home, your most important prized possessions. You want to make sure you're protected? Those insurance policies might be way too high, and you don't even realize it. Get a free quote today. One email, one text, free. We love Jared, man. Love hanging out with him. I know a hideaway trip's not too far away or a Hooters trip to hang out with him and have a few beers. Empire game, too. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance, 518-956-3753. 518-956-3753. Jared Lozier, J-A-R-E-D-L at nemail.com. All right, let's get in some wagers for the week. We need to make a turnaround here. We've been struggling since our Kansas victory for the future bet back in March Madness. So uh, we've had some second place finishers in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. We did far better in the Masters than we did in the PGA. Here we go. Three money line plays all for Wednesday. Avalanche taking down the Blues in any of the series minus 250. Give me the Boston Red Sox against the Chicago White Sox. As of this taping, it's a 16-3 lead. Boston's going to flip around tomorrow. Giolito's a good pitcher on the mound for the White Sox, but you just don't get 16 runs and then tank the next day. Boston, so give me the Red Sox. Give me the Avalanche and another Boston pick. Give me Celtics money line against the Heat. Oh, my guy Taylor Lattimore is not going to like that one bit. But what's the stat out there? Three of 12 quarters. The Heat have actually outscored Boston four. Might even be two. George Sedano's messing with my math on Twitter. I'm blaming Sedano if that stat's not right. Thanks a lot, George. 2-2? Series could potentially be all over if you get up 3-2? Nah, this feels like a game seven. But on the road, give me Boston, the Celtics, who have played better than Miami. Talent on talent-wise might be better than Miami. Celtics, Red Sox. Avalanche, money, 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 lines. All right. Next time we talk, it's our first June episode of 2022. Looking forward to it. Thank you for being patient with the schedule. Enjoy the sports. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. We will talk again in June.